0: you to come on into the sanctuary. If you guys are hanging out, we're going to start this time up with worship. This is just our time where we start singing songs about how awesome our God is. I want to invite you to just stand up on your feet, and I don't want to invite you to come up to the front if you guys want to. We're just going to start worshiping Jesus together, amen. This song talks about who God is to us. But help me sing this out in faith. face. The the brightest sun. Jesus, your glory. come to me with the God of heaven because I'm telling you, when we draw near to him he starts drawing near to us so right now, where you're at just raise those hands close your eyes right now and say Jesus, come and meet with me this morning God, I've come to meet with you Lord, come close to me this morning God, I want to draw near to you I want to hear you God, clearer than ever before, Jesus God, I want to know you more I want to hear your voice, Jesus I want to know you in a deeper way, Father. Jesus, Jesus, we long for you, God. We long for you, Jesus. We long for your presence. We long for your presence, Jesus. We desire you, God. We desire you, Jesus, this morning, God. We want to draw near. Soul pants for you. Is that you this morning? Come on, let's draw near to Jesus. Let's draw near to Him. equal with the father go equal with the son you are god holy spirit and we welcome you god into this place oh god we welcome you holy spirit we welcome you holy spirit into this room we welcome the fire of the holy spirit the fire of pentecost the fire that we read about we welcome the fire of the presence of god to rest to rest god in this room jesus to rest on your people because we're longing for you god because we're waiting on you Jesus because we're believing that you're here God we believe in Jesus come on if you're filled with the Holy Spirit right now let's start speaking in tongues let's start building our faith like Jude chapter 1 talks about Jesus fill this place with your presence fire of God come fire of God come and fill fill us fill us, fill us, fill us Lord From the front to the back, God, I declare every stronghold broken in the name of Jesus. God, every chain, oh God, that has bound us up all week, God, we declare freedom in the presence of God. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Somebody say the name, Jesus. Come on, scream out that name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We call upon you, Father. We call upon the name of Jesus this morning. Oh, we beckon you to come, God.
1: Let's focus on Jesus a couple more minutes. I want you to thank him for the cross this morning as we prepare for communion. We take communion to remember Jesus, to remember his body that was beaten and bruised for us. The blood that he shed on that cross was shed so that we could be forgiven of our sins. All the wrath of God was placed upon Jesus that day. So that we could be saved. So if you're excited this morning, if you're grateful, if you're thankful to God for saving you, if you're thankful for the precious blood of Jesus, I want you to lift your voice all across this room and thank your King. Thank Jesus, the lover of your soul, our Lord, our Master, our Savior. Jesus, we thank you for the blood, oh, the precious blood, precious blood of Jesus that washes me white like snow that called me out of darkness into the glorious light you saved us from a life of destruction from eternity in hell from eternity separated from the living God Jesus we thank you this morning for the cross we thank you God that we can come to you with our sicknesses our sorrows and our sins and you lift us up and you heal and you set free and you forgive us God we thank you Jesus we prepare our hearts this morning to partake of this communion and remembrance of you you are worthy of our life you are worthy to be praised Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it. All of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus, we thank you, God, for taking our place. For taking our place, God. We thank you, Jesus, for doing what we could never do. We thank you for desiring a relationship with us. And we cleanse our hearts this morning if there's any sin in your life any compromise confess it between you and Jesus right now before you partake of this communion this morning God cleanse our hearts forgive me Jesus make me new God I pray that you bless this time Lord and we thank you and we bless your name in Jesus name we pray amen if you guys can make your way up follow the ushers leading you can come get the communion and take it back at your seats with your family you could do it by yourself and let's just stay in the attitude of worship and praise unto jesus this morning
2: us here today, we've received communion in remembrance of you, and we declare our victory that you gave us when you raised from the dead. There was resurrection power, and now today we receive it. And over every person here, old and young, we pray for resurrection power to flow through their lives, God, to change them, Jesus. To make us like You, to live for You, to please You, we've got the victory in You. In Jesus' name, if You got the victory, can you say Amen? Amen. Would you bless us today? Come on. Amen. Would you slap your neighbor, high five, and say I got the victory? As we welcome You to our video, would you keep up and greet two or three other people today? Come on, greet each other. (laughs) are <laughs> you So thank you for coming. Wednesdays at seven o'clock, Encounter Night, Prayer Meeting, Bible Study, Seeking the Lord. Also, Royal Rangers and Impact for our children, all the way up into uh, ages thirteen and fourteen to our K through twelfth. That's our program on Wednesdays, and then Elevate. Come on, got some elevators in the house. We have a youth group every Friday at 7.30 for our teenagers. Ellie's up here. He's leading the youth of Wicker Park on Fridays as well. And so it's just good to have our youth here. Have them come out to 7.30. God's going to do great things this month in their life. Can everybody say vision? Thank you. The vision of Metro Praise is to love God. And to love people. And if you're new here, we want to invite you to do that with us. In the back, we have information where my wife is right now. You can go back to the table there and learn about Metro Praise. Also online at metropraise.org. But our heart is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love our neighbor as ourselves. That is our vision in this church. And then everybody say strategy. Thank you. We have a strategy to connect you to the cross, to teach you about the cross, and send you out to share the cross. How many believe the cross is powerful? Amen. Can you look at your neighbor and say, I'm I'm cross-eyed? Amen. You need to keep the cross in the center of your vision and all that you do. And the way we perform this strategy, is first part is connect you to a life group. Does anybody get life groups today at Metro Praise? a life at life groups is a home bible study prayer time in uh, another believer's house you can open up you can share you can have a meal together it's just something special seven for adults throughout the week three for youth god is showing up they'll give you the information meeting in their home this is to me where we connect you to the church can everybody say connect thank you so if you haven't yet found a life group please do so And then after you've been connected, you can ask one of the life group leaders to mentor you in our discipleship program now to learn about the cross. The first part starts with this book, one-on-one with your life group leader, men with men, women with women, and just learning how to grow in God. And then after you've gone through that, you can join our 201 class on Sunday mornings and be radically changed. Somebody say change. You know, God has to change us from the inside out. And this is a great place to do that. Is anybody perfect here? just want to make sure. I just want to see if anybody's perfect, this may not be the right church for you. This may not be the right church. But do I have any non-perfect people here today? Amen. So you are welcome. You are welcome here today. And if you think you're perfect, you've got issues. We need to pray for you. you. You are the one we really need to pray for. And then lastly, can somebody say sin? Thank you. We believe if you know about the cross and you've been connected to it, you can go out and change the world. And that's what we do in this church ministries throughout the week, 12 different evangelism uh, efforts, teaching the gospel to this community, working with our youth, adopting the West Side from Ohio Park and inner city community. So many things for you to get involved in here. And our goal is 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches, 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, can you pump your fits and say, let's do it? amen thank you for being here today this is our habit the first sunday of every month we receive communion and then we give you our financial update so this is the report for the month of january so you can know what's coming in and know what's going out brought in twelve thousand three hundred sixty dollars nineteen cents for ties six hundred thirty two dollars thirty one cents for missions and six thousand two hundred seventy four dollars and thirty one cents for building fund a total of nineteen thousand two hundred sixty seven dollars and twenty seven cents can we bless the lord amen money's coming in thank you so much for your support uh here's where it goes and A general fund going to our rent, going to the expenses of the building, $14,300 going to the missions. We're building up that fund, so we had some extra this month. And then to the building fund, all of it being spent for a total of $21,174.23. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Thank you. So we have been spending money. Now, if you put those numbers together, this is where we were for the month, so we fell short. Now, this is what we have to do, and this is why we're in the midst of a building fund, is that we need to make up the difference. And there's three options of what happens when we fall short. There's three options uh, when we fall short. The first one is we can say, uh, you know what, maybe we're just too generous. Because where we fell short in, in last month, where we had to spend it, was we scholarshiped about 60% of our retreat. We brought about 160 people on the retreat. About 60% couldn't afford And so the first thing we could say is you know what we're too generous you know we should probably just cut it off and say we can't do that the second option would be hey we've got good ideas but maybe they're not god ideas you know you might see that person one-eyed Willie, you know hobbling along at the side of the the expressway and you might think man i'm going to give him my rent money you know that might be a good idea but that may not be a god idea because you may not have any money to pay your rent so maybe the church is like that maybe we got good ideas But they're not god ideas. Maybe we're not keeping pace with what god is doing Or the third option is the people of god need to support what we're doing Now I want to tell you those three options are very serious to us and we we prayed about it And we've sought the lord and and I got some answers from the pastor that's over me brother anthony in new orleans He sits over us on the board and he makes sure that my wife and I we do the right thing And I I told him what we were doing fell a little short and he said Joe sounds like you're doing the right thing to me sounds like you're staying focused on what God's told you to do it sounds like the people of God may need to step up. So I go. Okay. So you're saying number three uh, Ricky and some of the others are on the financial committee and I said Hey, man, are we just trying to do too much too fast? You know too many things going on And they said no we we really feel that God is, is moving here and so I began to look at what we are suggesting to do and what we are asking to do and it's no coincidence that this this message today is actually based on this it's giving to charity and i think the best place we can give to charity is to our churches so i want you to turn with me to philippians chapter 4 verse 10 and i want to share with you something before we receive our offering because i believe that it is the church's responsibility i believe god has given us a budget For everybody here giving their tithe, but not everybody here is giving their tithe, so we fall short of our budget. You might say, Pastor, that's getting a little nosy. That's getting into people's business. I'm just calling it the way I see it. I honestly believe that we're doing exactly what God called us to do. I believe we were to help out those on the retreat. I believe it was our responsibility to to bless our guest speaker. You know, we only received about $300 for that guest speaker. Uh, Brother Glenn, but we gave him $1,000. Now, we could have just said, hey, here's $300. We love you. But I just felt God told us to sow a seed into him. Now, we could say, well, maybe you missed God. But I don't think we did. And these men right here are not here to be yes men. They're here to let me know if I get off track. And the reason why I walk softly when we talk about money is because we all get a bad taste in our mouth when pastors and churches and, and agencies don't handle money correctly. Has anybody ever had a bad taste in their mouth from a church handling money incorrectly? Have you ever felt turned off by maybe something you saw? That's why we want to always show you what's going on here. Are you with me in Philippians chapter 4? If you're there, can you say I'm there? I want you to see what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. He's speaking to a group of people known as the Philippians, but most importantly, they are his disciples, okay? And he says in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at least you have renewed your concern for me. I, indeed, you have been concerned but had no opportunity to show it. So he says to his people, hey, I know that you care about me and what I'm doing as your leader. But you just had not have a chance to give to me lately. But I'm going to let you know about a chance you can help me out with. He goes to verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So I can actually say this today like Paul. Could you look up at me for a moment? I can actually say, Joe, why Rostick? He's good. Because I'm like Paul. I tent make. I do something other than just pastor this church. The blessing that I have through the master's degree that I've earned is I'm able to be a professor at a Bible college. So Joe, my house, our car, my children, we're good. Not asking you for anything for Joe today. Don't need anything. Everybody say, we're good. Amen, we're good. Pastor is good. Pastor's not asking you to celebrate his anniversary, his birthday. Pastor appreciates your day. We're good. Paul said, I'm good. And he said, I've learned the secret of being content, whether I have a little or a lot. Has everybody here been through a time in their life where you had a little? Did you ever go through a situation where you had a lot? You, got, you paid all your bills and you had something extra. Paul says, I know what it's like to be in both those situations. Let's keep going. He said, but I learned the secret of how to get through those times. Look at verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So what was Paul's secret when he got paid, paid all his bills, and put money in the bank? He said, I still trust God to do everything. What was his secret when the bills were paid and there wasn't any money in the bank? He said, I trust God that I can do everything. He's giving him a lesson before he receives an offering. Let's keep going. He says in verse 14, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Like any ministry, like any person, people go through troubles, through times. Well, we're in a little bit of trouble. $2,000 short. If you remember, we started our building fund with the goal of 25,000 divided by three. That's 8,000 a month. We brought in 6,000. So we we fell 2000 short. We see that would have made it up. You see, we are tracking this year with the budget we're setting, praying, seeking the Lord, wanting to do the right thing. Somebody say trouble. So he says, I wanted you to share in my trouble verse 15, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. How many churches helped Paul? Just one. What was the name of that church? The Philippian church. And I want you to understand this. Paul says, only one church helped me in the matter of giving and then what's the other word he says? Receiving, I think Paul is trying to teach us something He's trying to show us that when we give it's given back to us He didn't just say that church participated in giving because i'm jimmy and i'll take all you can give me No, he said they participated in giving and god is letting them receive because when they give they receive He says they got to share in giving and receiving Isn't that what it says? Now look at verse 17 He said not that i'm looking for a gift But I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Now, this is where you as a church decide what you believe in. Do you believe, everyone look at me, please, please put me on the spot. The lights are hot and bright right here, but I can take it. Everyone, listen to me and make your decision. Is your pastor asking for a personal gift? Or is he asking you to sow something that is attributed to your account? Let's read it again. This is what Paul said. I can't make that decision for you, but he, he said it, and he believed he knew what he was saying, and I believe this is true for me. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. And I want to be careful when I say this. We talk about money in the church and people try to bribe the people by saying, oh, if you give this, you'll get a thousand back. Here's a holy cloth. Here's, here's water, you know, precious holy water, whatever. This is all a joke. This is, this is all full of the devil. Love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. It just is a mess. But in a good church like Metro Praise, we hold up the standard that God has asked us all to do, to be tithers and to be givers of offering. Tithes are 10% of our income. That is a cross for every person here From what I was taught as a young child Growing up in church To what my parents still do today Tithing, receiving 10% to the Lord's house Can you say amen? That's just what we believe If you don't want to be a part of a church that believes that This will not be a church for you Because we believe this It's as clear as can be From the time of Abraham To the time of Ananias and Sapphira Getting struck down dead in the book of Acts For not doing what they were supposed to do I just believe it I believe Paul is talking about it, but this is what he says that just blows my mind. He says, I want there to be something attributed to your account. You know what that brings to mind? The words of Jesus. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot take them away. For where your treasure is, is where your heart is. See, this sounds like Jesus to me who said, You can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. He said, You cannot serve God and mammon, God and money. What I'm asking Metro Praise today to do is not beyond what I believe you can do, because God would never ask you to do something that you can't do. So it's one of three options. Pastor's too generous, I got good ideas but not God ideas, or everyone's not doing their part. So I want to ask you today, am I asking for a gift or am I trying to teach you to store up treasures in heaven? Am I just asking you to pamper me to make my life easier? Or am I asking you to build the kingdom of God and seeking it first and his righteousness that it may be attributed to your account? Now for those of you who say, Pastor, I get it. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to live. Look at what he says. He says, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I thank the Lord for those Philippian people because they gave, and Epaphroditus, he brought it. Man, isn't Epaphroditus awesome? It's like, thank God that he showed up. He brought the finances that the Philippian church had, and they brought it to Paul and said, this is our best, Paul. We want this attributed to our account. Would you use it for the glory of God? Would you use it, Paul? Paul, we trust you. We, we, We don't think it's for you. You know the secret. You know the secret. God does everything through you. You don't need money. It's not for you. It's for the work of God. We give it to you. Paul made tents in his day. He was like a carpenter. He made tents out of canvas. That's what he did. And now look at this verse. It might seem oddly familiar because it's what we say every time we collect tithe and offering. But look at it now in the context of the scripture. And I want you now to look up at me, please. Paul says, hey, guys, you're helping the kingdom. You understand the secret. You can do all things through Christ who's strengthening you. You're sticking with me while others are not. He says, and by God, we'll meet all your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's going to meet your needs too. Do we believe that today? Are we a church that believes the word of God? How does God meet my needs when I meet the needs of his church and his kingdom? That's how he meets our needs. That's how he does it. You say, well, I'm just going to go out there and work really hard and try to make it happen. That's great. Hard work is great. I work hard, too. But God says there's a covenant blessing. Think of it as a canopy. Think of it as an umbrella. That when you come under it, the rain, the curse of this world does not come upon you. There's a blessing of God. And that covenant to be under the blessing of God is through the tithe. I want you to stand to your feet as we get ready to receive it today. I want to thank you for all that you've done. We're going to give a big hand clap for what we raised so far in the building fund on top of our tithe and offering. We've raised over $6,000, $6,274. Can we give the Lord amen for that? Praise God. Thank you. What is that going towards? That's going towards clearing our debt. And we incur 2000 of debt next month, so we should be raising 27000 My friends, we're going to clear the debt. We're going to repair our vehicles that pick up people to and from church, and we're going to continue to change the world. Amen? And some of you may be thinking, Pastor, what about the foreign mission field? Would you all just please hear my heart today? When we support foreign missions, we're giving them the supplies and the things that they need. But do you know that they also teach their people to tithe? Think about it. People in India tithe. We have churches in India. I know they tithe. I'm there when they actually put the offering in our pastor's hands. Because sometimes they can't get to the church and he'll go to their homes to pray for them. And they'll come and shake the pastor's hand and they'll put their tithe in there. And then the pastor will pray for them. And these are poor uh, village people. I mean, I've watched it. Am I telling the truth, brother? And, and they'll put the tithe in their pastor's hand and they'll bless them in these villages. My friends, they're counting on us to do our part too, amen? Because if we go down, we have no more to send them. So as their tithe, let's give our tithe. And I believe in America, we are still the most blessed nation, amen? So we have more to share. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this church. That's a giving church. God, thank you uh, for for $21,000 being spent for your glory. Now, Lord, we ask you to clear off that $2,000 debt. We know you can. And we ask you to help us to raise this 25000 We believe that you give us the strength to do it. And, Lord, we know you're going to do it through your people. So, Lord, as they meet the need of the church and seek ye first the kingdom, God, I pray you bless them on their job promotions and raises. God, bless their children and their children's children. Protect them. Give them health, Lord. And, God, we ask for this economy to get a boost and a change. But Lord, even in the midst of drought, we will still be faithful. We will still serve you, God, because we know through you we can do all things. Bless your people today, and our church is the 200 plus. We support five different nations. Be with them today, encourage them as you bless our nation here. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's say it on the count of three as confession. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so much. God bless you. Matthew 2818. We're going to talk today on the mountains of influence. Also, you can always give online with your cards or direct deposit at metropraise.org. Some of, of you really enjoy to do that. We appreciate that. Uh, Matthew 28.18 is going to be our subject for today. We are talking about the nine mountains of influence. Everybody say influence thank you. We want to see God put us at the mountaintop. Symbolically, mountains are high. People look up to them. Whenever you're in a mountainous region, your eyes are drawn to the mountainside. We want to be at the top, the best in these areas of our culture and have influence to bring change. We've talked about family. How many think that we should be the best families in our culture, the Christians? How many believe we should have the best church? We should show them the true way to God. Amen? It's not Buddha, Muhammad. It's Jesus. Can you all say Jesus? Amen. how many believe Christian businesses should be the best businesses? Why have it go to Donald Trump and these things to be wasted? How about go to Christian businessmen so they can supply the gospel? And so on and so forth. We've been learning about government, media, and arts. Today we're going to learn about charity. Everybody say charity. Thank you. Charity simply means love. And Jesus was a person of charity. When you think about Jesus, did Jesus give things to hurting people? How about healing to the sick? If you were sick and Jesus came around, would you want to be healed? See, Jesus performed charity to the sick. How about hungry? Did Jesus ever feed anybody? Did you know that Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, that was an act of charity? He was giving love, gifts to people. Charity is just a tangible gift of love. How about when Jesus had money and he gave it to the poor? Do you know that Judas was the treasurer for Jesus? Jesus wasn't poor. Jesus just chose to travel and live a humble lifestyle, but he had a bag of money. Judas was in charge of it. And at the Last Supper, the Bible says he was stealing from it. But where was that money mostly going to? The Bible says it was used for the what? Does anybody know? Hey, praise God. There's some Bible scholars in the house. Somebody say for the poor. And we not only see this in Jesus, we see this in the New Testament church. They help the needy people. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18. No coincidence we're talking about this on such a day as today. This is our scripture that we're using for all of the mountains of influence. And the key word is discipleship. Can you say discipleship? Thank you. The key word is disciple. When Jesus came, did he make 12 churchgoers? Did he just say, hey, come on, let's just all go to church and have fun? Did he say, let's sing in the choir? No, he came to make what? Disciples. In the Greek, it's matheteus. It simply means a committed follower. Then Jesus said unto them, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can we all read verse 20 on the count of three? One, two, three. And teaching them. Come on. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you. Jesus said he would be with his disciples. Disciples are people who learn from him and then go teach others to obey what he taught. So how do you know if you're like Jesus, if you live like Jesus and teach what Jesus did? That's how you know you're like Jesus. First John says, anyone who says, I know him but does not live like him is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So if I say, I know Jesus, I'm smoking and drinking and gambling, hanging out with the ladies, you can say, liar, liar, pants on fire. You don't know Jesus. Okay, so if you see people stealing and cheating on their wives and looking at pornography, and they say, I know him, but they deny him in their deeds, they are a liar. That's what Jesus said. Somebody say, that's what he said. Amen. So he said, you will do these things. You will go out. Who was he talking to? Who is the them there? The them is the 12 that's been with him, minus the Judas who hung himself. So there's 11, and he says, guys, Peter, James, John, Nathaniel, Philip, Matthew, Bartholomew, you guys go into all the world and go tell people what I've told you. But we're not perfect. Will you give it everything you have? There's a difference between being perfect and giving it everything you have. You see, I'm not a perfect husband, but that doesn't mean last night I was cheating on my wife with a girl named Sally. Are you all listening to me? My wife came to me and said, were you out with Sally Sue? And I say, baby, you know nobody's perfect. How many know I would catch a shoe upside the head and get kicked out the house? But why is it we play that way with God? God asks us, why are you looking at pornography? Oh, God, you know nobody's perfect. He just wants to slap us upside the head and say, stop making that excuse. You don't need to be perfect to give it everything you have. You can live for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he told you to do. Amen? He told you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I want to ask you a question. Do you want to be a disciple? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be obedient to what he said? He said, teach them to obey some of the things I commanded. Is that what he said? He said, teach them to obey what? Everything I commanded. So if you want to be a disciple today, and follow Jesus. One of the things he did. We don't have time to read it. You read Matthew chapter 25. Jesus cared about the naked. He wanted to clothe them. The demon possessed man was naked. He met him there. He cast out the demons and sent him home to be clothed. Jesus cares about the hungry. He fed the 5,000. Jesus cared about the sick. He prayed for them. So Matthew 25 says one day you will be judged on how you've treated people, whether you treated them selfishly and denied them any help or if you loved them and treated them like Jesus. Some of the blank stares makes me want to go there now. Let's go to Matthew 25, taking a detour in the message so that you guys looking at me with blank stares can get what Jesus did. Jesus said, obey everything I commanded. I'm going to show you he commanded this. I was taking it for granted. In the first service, they ate their spiritual weedies. Some of you are little bumps on the log right now. I'm going to help you out. Look at your neighbor and say, he's helping us out. You will learn one way or the other. You will learn the easy way or the hard way. It's up to you today. Amen. You will learn one way or the other in this church. We won't take it for granted that you understand what I'm saying. Matthew chapter 25. Continue on down, my brother, to the story of the sheep and the goats. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, who's the Son of Man? Jesus. When He comes in His glory with all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations. How many people will be gathered? All the nations will be gathered before Him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Somebody say heaven. Heaven. Thank you. He separates the world in sheep and goats. He says now to the sheep, you're going to heaven. Now why? Verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me what? Something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me? Something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. Come on. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Come on. Somebody say charity. Charity. So you're going to learn it today, friends. Amen. Charity. He says to these, you're going to heaven because you've done these things for me. When I was sick, you did it for me. When I was poor... You did it for me. When I was naked, you did it for me. Now look at verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When were you thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? I don't know about you, but I haven't seen naked Jesus around town lately. Amen? I might see that dude that thinks he's Jesus riding the subway urinate on himself. But this is not what we're hearing here. Jesus, when did we see you naked? And it says right here, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you in prison and, or sick and go visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Here it is. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Why is it important we talk about charity in church? Your eternal soul is based, is, uh, is, is, tied into this. Oh, well, y'all didn't hear me. I, I'm, I'm going to go past some of you right now that aren't getting it in just a moment. I, d- I don't need amens, but I think you need to say amen because I want you to understand this. your eternal soul is tied to charity. What you do in this life with what you have is going to be held accountable on Judgment Day. It's not just for the pastor. He didn't say he just brought pastors before him. He brought all nations. Now, if you just think it's only heaven to gain, you don't understand. There's also a place called hell. There's two places, my friends. Let's keep going. He then talks to the goats on to the left side of him. And he says on verse 40, uh, verse 41, then he said to the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire. How long is the fire? It is eternal. That means it never ends. How long will you be in hell? For eternity. Let me give you a picture of hell so you can just understand it. Sometimes we don't understand hell. Think of placing your hand over a burning stove how long you can take it, okay? And Imagine your whole body being there. The Bible says it's a lake full of fire. So imagine you being in a cauldron of burning uh, of coals or a place of burning liquid of metal of steel. You are dipped into it with an eternal body that will never perish. So you will feel the pain a body can feel but it will never die. You will then be in a bottomless pit, which means you are drowning, continually falling. Have you ever been in a dream, a nightmare? You fall, that feeling, you wake up. That is the feeling, a bottomless pit falling in liquid fire. It's called the lake of fire. That's where you'll be. You'll be gnashing your teeth all by yourself. And if that is not bad enough, it is in pitch blackness. And while you are there, eternity, just to give you an understanding of how long you're there, imagine a bird going from one coast to the other from East Coast to the West Coast, just taking one grain of sand from the East Coast and bringing it to the West Coast, taking all the grains of sand from the East Coast to the West Coast, one grain at a time, is just but a heartbeat of eternity. You will be there time without end. Why, Jesus? Why, why why, why, am I going there? I helped my family. I was a nice person. I ain't talking about your family, Jesus is saying. He says, I'm not just talking about you getting up and working. Hello, people. The Bible says if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than a pagan infidel that straps a bomb on yourself and blows up buildings. He said you're worse than a pagan if you don't take care of your family. Taking care of our family, the Bible says, is common sense to us who live on this planet, whether you're a Christian or you're not. It's common sense but he says to these on his right side depart from me you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for who who's it prepared for and his angels for i was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat and i was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink i was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Therefore, go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's tight, but it's right today. Would you go back to the notes now? That's after our detour. I hope you don't have anywhere to go tonight. I hope there's nothing really special going on tonight that's going to compete with your time. I hope there's nothing that you're thinking about right now other than Jesus and his kingdom. Praise God. The Bible says... That Jesus was a man of charity. When I think about charity, I think about the different areas of life where people are hurting. There's the poor. There's the youth and kids that are growing up in homes that don't have parents. There's the sick. There's needy families. And there's the elderly. Just to name a few. And the question today to you as a Christian is, who are you feeding? Who are you clothing? Who are you helping? Well, pastor, I take care of my four and no more. Shame on you. And you will hear that from our God and Savior one day on Judgment Day. My job as your pastor is not to be your best friend and tickle you and tell you things you want to hear. My job is to get you ready for Judgment Day when you will face Him face to face and His eyes will burn like fire. His body will glow brighter than the sun and you will be at your knees proclaiming Him Lord and speaking nothing but hearing everything He has to say. And my friends, you will be held accountable to the sheep in the goats' parable. If He didn't mean it, why did He say it? These are the ways we help people today. This is the way we break that spirit of selfishness off of us and off of our children. People ask me all the time to fix their youth from their tweeting and their Facebooks and their perverted movies. The reason why we have to fix most teenagers is because, parents, you need to be fixed yourself. You didn't teach them church was a priority. They never heard you, Dad, hit your knees and pray. Mom, they've never seen you go out and help the poor or reach out. The first person I ever saw see help the poor was my mom and dad. The first prayers I ever heard were for my mom and dad. You see, you need to exemplify this. Exemplify it to our families and to the community we live in. We're going to play the video at the end. I feel like preaching right now. Even in the world today, people have enough common sense to know we need to give. Here are some of the biggest charitable givers in America right now. And let me just say this going back to the mountain of government. Do you know that America gives twice as much to charity as any other nation? Do you know why? Because we were founded upon the principle that we are all created in the image of God. That we are one people. And that doesn't matter what race you are. You might say, hey, what about slavery? You need to study more about that issue. It was the Christians that liberated them, and it was in the north. Some of them held political office even during those times. You know that we had state senators before the liberation of Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War that were African-American. Christians have continually liberated the people. You know that Harvard was a Bible college for the American Indian. You can look it up right now online. American Indians still get, Native Americans still get scholarships to go there practically for free free because the missionaries established harvard for the native american don't try to paint america with a wide brush there was always just like today do you hate abortion i hate abortion but it's legal in my country do you understand in america today we have the biggest charitable givers in america the nation warren buffett gave over 60 billion dollars to to fund health and charity That's seventy eight percent of his total income. He's ranked number one. Now some of and he gave it to the Gates Foundation. Some of you might think, Well, man, you know, if I had billions of dollars, let's just look at it this way. Would you give seventy-eight percent of your income away? That's what he did. Bill Gates, $3.5 billion into the health community, 48% of his income. George Soros to fund politics like we see at Occupy Wall Street, $2 billion into politics, 73% of his income, ranked number four. The Walton family, which are the, the, the children of Sam Walton of Walmart, gave $1.4 billion to education, 2%. Of their income, ranked number six. And Oprah Winfrey, just to give you an example about her, gave $263 million mostly to education, 12% of her total income. She's ranked number 35, top 100 givers of our country. Let me go now to the top organizations that do charity in this country. Once again, we should be proud to be an American. America does more than any other nation. And as we're talking about the mountain, today this is like no other mountain. The church, the Christians are already there. So the question is, do you want to be in your ninny-poo-poo spirit all at the bottom of the mountain? Or you don't want to join the Christians who have realized it's not about you. It's about helping others. It's better to give. That it is to receive. Here are the Christian organizations that are literally changing the world. And some today are already participating in these. Thank God for these organizations. Like my sister worked hard all of her life. But now because of economic trials, having to go to these types of agencies. The Lutheran agencies, 18.3 billion. Helping the needy. Largest agency, non for profit in the world. The Mayo Clinic. Anybody ever hear of that? For those that uh, that have cancer or special needs medically, Mayo Clinic is there to help the people. Health. Ranked number two, $7.9 billion. YMCA, anybody ever seen one of those? How about right down the road? $5.9 billion into the health community, mostly helping the well-being. Ranked number three, Catholic Charities, $4.6 billion, Helping the needy, ranked number four. The United Way, $4.2 billion for the needy. Help, uh, rank number five, Goodwill, $4 billion. Helping the needy, ranked number six. And the Salvation Army, $3.7 billion, helping the needy. Ranked number seven. I want you to see something awesome about this. I celebrate this. Out of these seven top charitable organizations in the world, in America today, five of them are Protestant evangelical based. Let that settle into your spirit right now. When somebody's homeless, they go to Garden View Mission, evangelical based. When you go to these different food banks, whether it's Irving Park Methodist or Faith World having food banks based out of the churches, evangelical based. We have made a difference in this culture, and it's up to us to continue it. Now, if you look at the ones that have the stars next to their name, These three are very dear to my heart because YMCA, Goodwill, and Salvation Army were not only started as Protestants, uh, evangelical organizations, they were started by individuals who said, I want to make a difference. YMCA, you want to know how it was started? During the Industrial Revolution, late 1800s. All of these young men are coming from the country to work in the major cities. They're getting into the the bars and to the gambling. And this young Christian men said, We need something for young Christian men that they can come and have recreation, a place to stay if they need it, and not get into the sinful things of this world. YMCA, Young Christian Men's Association. Young Men's Christian Association started by one man said, we need more things for the Christians to do around here. Do you think there's a need for that in our culture today? Do you think we need more things for the Christian men to do in our society? How about the men of West Side and the South Side? How about these teenagers? Do you think we need some Christian activities for them to do? That's how it was started, for free. It's gotten a little off base since then, hasn't it? How about goodwill? Goodwill was started by a minister that took the scripture, do unto others as you would want done unto them. And he said, that's goodwill, when you help others as you want to be helped. And he just started out of his church, he was a minister. He just started helping people. And then other churches said, hey, man, we want to help you help people. Well, come on, help me to help people, and I'll help people. Grew into a $4 billion agency. My favorite of the bunch here is Salvation Army. Just listen to the name. Salvation Army. The Salvation Army is the one that has remained true to all of its calling. To this day, they get persecution for not allowing homosexuality on their staff. They fight against the uh, abortion, and, and, and they'll provide an alternative so people don't have to abort. They do everything that they can. It started in 1865 by a Methodist street preacher in London by the name of William Booth. He was reaching the poor and hurting, and he organized the ministry like an army with him as the general. Those that worked with him on the staff were the officers and the disciples were called the soldiers. Here's a quote that he says, because for so many years, it was so hard for him to get the job done. They had no money. Him and his wife suffered for many, many years. It was only towards the end of his life that he began to see his ministry prosper. And then they began to ask him, are you going to change? Are you going to change your beliefs like YMCA, like Goodwill? And by the way, you could put United Way together with the Christians because it's Judeo-Christian. There was one rabbi with the rest being Christians. And that's why it's called the United Way. But they were all Christians." and it was still Judeo-faith. So you could say at least six out of that seven. Here's what he says towards the end when people ask him, you know, if you just stop talking about your preaching thing, you know, Salvation Army is a little hard on us. If you just, just helped us and just told us nice things, we would help you a little bit more. We'd give you a little more cheddar. Look at what he says back to them, the quotes here, and I've already put it on Facebook so you can read it better. I have no intention to depart in the smallest degree from the main principles on which I have acted in the past. He said, I'm not changing. I have no intention. My only hope for the permanent deliverance of mankind from misery, either in this world or in the next, is the regeneration or remaking of the individual by the power of the Holy Ghost through Jesus Christ. But in providing for the relief of temporary misery, I reckon that I will make it easy now where it is difficult and possible where it is impossible for men and women to find their way to the cross. Some may say the cross. You heard about that today of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says it's hard right now for me to tell people about Jesus in his time. It was hard. 1865, I guess things were going bad. He said, but I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to help the hurting. I'm going to help the poor. And I'm going to keep reaching out to them. And I'm not going to change the message when I'm giving them those things. I'm going to let them know, ultimately, your only hope is in Jesus Christ. What a testimony of what one person did. I want to just tantalize you today with a vision and a dream that God gave Metro Praise years ago. And something that I believe we can accomplish for the glory of God. Metro Praise has a desire for charities all across this city. For us to be able to touch the hurt. And you don't need to look any further for a place to belong to that wants to touch the world we've already begun. And there's so much more to do. This was done by Elliot Schwartz one of our students that's in Philadelphia right now studying architecture, and I said, Elliot, would you put together what God has placed in my heart? And when we say that we want 50 campuses throughout this city, we believe that this will be a campus across the city. Is there 50 Catholic churches that have campuses this big? Yes, there is. Is there 50 Home Depots in the greater suburban area combined in Chicago? Yes, there is. Why not 50 Metro Praises? Every metro praise, look at what it could look like. You walk there, you see the fountain with the flags representing the nation, a sanctuary hitting, fitting the thousands of people that we're reaching. On to the left side of the sanctuary, a through K-12 school that is given for free to the families of this community. So not like the Catholics where they get pimped to have private school, we can give the best in schooling to the ones who need it the most. Imagine having a through K-12 school with the best professors, and yet it's free for the underprivileged to come. That's what's already there. And then to the right, S.U.M. Bible College, raising up students like Moody Bible College has done to continue to reach our inner cities. And then you see to the top left is a gym. And when I say gym, I mean YMCA. Imagine what you see over there, YMCA. Imagine that being on the property. Everything we would need for the health and well-being of our community. Services being offered for free. We go now to the YMCA and go, hey, can we bring our youth group over there? Well, we're going to have to charge you. Whatever happened to your original vision? Why not have a gym and multiple gymnasium rock climbing walls? All of these things for the health and well-being of an obese culture where kids are obese in this generation to give it away to our kids. Amen. Then you see there in the middle the food court in, in the place of chapel where people can get married the smaller sanctuary. But that food court will be where the after school program is looking like a mall where they can come and receive something free from the different shops that we have and doing their work after school. Instead of saying let's go to the mall, they can say let's go to Metro Praise. And I'm even big enough to dream there's some bowling alleys, pool tables, and things for the children to participate in. Hey, if a millionaire could put a bowling alley in his house, why can't a church have one in a center? And then you see to the right hand, uh, the top right-hand side where we would say there would be the community center. And when I'm saying a community center, I'm talking about probably a seven-story building with 40,000 square feet with at least 100 offices from those that need help with AIDS, from the single mothers that need to find jobs to unemployment, every agency we can possibly think of being there. And then you see here the property. My friends, this is a goal. There are churches right now in this city that are accomplishing it. New Life Covenant is now getting to the place where they can put $20 million into this city. But how many believe we need more than just New Life Covenant? How many believe a city of 8 million people? We need a whole lot of charity here. Amen? We need some love for these people. We need to get out and do our best. And there it is for you to believe in. And then on top of that, remember when we went to Mount Zion and we saw a sanctuary and they had that 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 drug and alcohol rehab out there? We want what's called a farm with the church just like that and three buildings on that farm. One for the families because we meet a lot of needy families that can't afford to pay their rent. And when they put them the shep- uh, shelters, they separate them. Bam, a house for about 20 families for those that are recuperating from their time of loss. Drug and alcohol rehab will be the second building for men and women. And then a teen home for the children that have either lost their parents or in a bad situation or those themselves that need extra help. So imagine Mount Zion property, three buildings on it, hosting about a hundred people from broken families to men and women on drugs to teenagers. Can you say amen? Now, right about now is when you say, Pastor, that's just so cute and cuddly. Or maybe you get a little bit like 70s. You're like, dude, man, that's really cool, man. Way off in the distance, man. We're going to do that one day after we smoke the love pipe. Yeah. Yeah, man. And then I'm going to be a unicorn and you're going to be a pastor. We're going to do all that. Before you put this in the realm of make believe into some hippie jazz, are you listening to me? This is something we can do. And I'm going to show you how we can do it right now. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get personal. Because right about now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, that's good to hear about multi-billionaires and what they give away and these big agencies and your big dreams. Let's make it personal. Let's put the rubber where the, where the road is. Do you know that right now only 3 to 5% of evangelical Christians tithe? the number one place where you should be giving charitable offerings to is to your church. I have the website right here, generousgiving.org. Do you know, you may not, so let me just share this with you. The most mobilizing force of people on this planet for all the charities we've just talked about is the Christian church. The ones that are going to bring the relief, the medical supplies, the ones that are educating the people, building the water wells, all of that, the number one group of people are Christians. And how can we have Christians without churches? Are you listening to me? Only 3 to 5% of evangelical Christians tithe. So that means out of the 100 people that call themselves a Christian, only three of them are actually doing what the Bible says. I believe in this church, we're probably, I don't know numbers, but hearing people confess, and by the way, I'm not a priest and my name's not Father Joe, okay? But for sometimes people, some reason, some people get like convicted and they come to me with like one time a woman came in with a wad of cash and she's like, God told me to give and I haven't been given, here it is. Okay, you can just give that in the offering. You don't have to let me know. And then sometimes people tell me, Pastor, I haven't been tithing. I know God's convicted me. That's between you and God. I don't need to know what you give. You don't have to tell me you're giving. And and then this also goes for for Mr. Big Bucks. Well, Pastor, I want to give $20,000. How do I do it? Well, you do it just like the person giving $20. You walk here, you put it in, and then we spend it for Jesus. What do you want? Some trumpet? Here comes the $20,000 giver. There they are. And we've had people give that to this church. You just give it and you trust it. Just like how you gave $20,000 to the car company. You didn't run up there with your check. Hey, here's, you, you get what you pay for. Is this church blessing you? Does it provide a place for your family? Is it worth it? 3 to 5% only give. Maybe in this church, 20 30%. That's why we sometimes hit those numbers a little low. I don't think pastor's too generous. I mean, we know when to cut off. We don't let our youth go out and buy a pony and have it here for youth night. We don't bring in the big rock bands. I mean, we're just kind of doing what God told us to do. I don't think it's wrong to scholarship people to the the retreat. I don't think it was wrong to give our guest speaker what would be worthy of his hire for him to preach and believe in us. I think we're not giving our tithe. And because we're not giving our tithe, the church is suffering. And because an individual church suffers, other churches suffer. Because a bunch of churches probably have a lot of what Metro Praise has going on, because that's the statistic. And then when you have a bunch of churches that are suffering, they really can't go out and do what they're supposed to do. Now, before you say, Pastor, what about all the ones that are doing the wrong thing? To hell with them, and I said it. To hell with churches that abuse people, are greedy, and waste their money. I said, I'll say it again, to hell with them. They will burn in hell. The Bible says they're going there as well. Are you listening to me? But does that mean it's worth you going to hell with them? Well, this pastor, he was really greedy, and he stole money. And so what I'm going to do is be really greedy, and I'm going to take God's tithe. And I'm going to spend it on myself. So somebody else did something wrong and is going to hell, and you're raising your hand saying, I will do something dumb and go to hell. Let's not do that. I want to go to heaven. Let's act like people who go to heaven. Amen? 2 to 3% only tithe. Now, what is most Christians giving out of their total income? 2.5%. Okay? So God's asked us as Christians to give 10% of our total income, and most people are only giving about what? 2%. I want you to think about this. Here's the website. They put it together, sociologists. In America, there's about 70% Christian population. Do you know how much income that is to us as Christians coming to this world? But I just want to know, is anybody a Christian here today? I just want to know, is there any Christians? Okay, what are the rest of you? We welcome you here. Are you Buddhist, Muslim? I want to know. Assalamualaikum. What's going on? You know, namaste. Okay, so it's okay. We welcome you of any religion, but just I, I look around. I don't see most people I don't know. So how many are Christians here? So we know most of you. You're Christian. Okay, we're talking about you. In America, just America, our wealth is about two trillion dollars. Put mine together with yours, put yours and yours and yours, and church down the road, the church down the road, and that church down the road. Two trillion dollars in America in the Christians' hands. Now, this is a lot of money, but I want to make it real practical. Out of that two trillion dollars, what is supposed to be our tithe? What is ten percent of two trillion? Two hundred billion. I already did it in the first service, so I'm not that smart, but just move the zero, over, you know, the decimal point. Okay, what is it? Everybody say $200, billion. $200 billion. But you know how much we're giving to our churches right now? You know how much we're supporting God's plan for changing the world? We're only giving $40 billion. much less. Now, I want you to understand what would happen in one year. I want you to hear this. In one year, if everybody who calls themselves a Christian just tithes, I'm a tither, my mom and dad are tithers family members in this church are tithers we've done it and we've lived and we haven't had to go on the streets begging, okay, it's better to have God bless your 90% and be cursed with 100% can you say amen this is what would happen if we would all do it, we would have an extra 164 billion because our tithe is 200 billion we're only giving 40 billion we would have 164 billion 19 billion could end world hunger on this planet right now let that settle in your spirit. Right now, you gave to a good church, and a good church said, I'll do it. Okay, you give here, I'll give there. You give here, we'll give there. We'll unify. We'll work with Pastor Mitt. We'll do it. If every person did that right now, tied to their church, boom, world hungered is stopped in your generation. World hunger just ended when the Christian church said, I'm going to stop wasting what God gave me. I'm going to do what Jesus said, feed the hungry. I'm just going to give my tithe. Not even more than that. We wouldn't even have to do a building fund or a mission fund if everybody in this church would just tithe. And in other churches, bam, world hunger has ended right now. It would cost $19 billion to end world hunger. $12 billion right now. We can educate the world. We could put up schools in every place. There is not a school and put a teacher right now. Check the stats. I already put it on Facebook. Sociologists. How much would it cost to put a school in Dofar? How much would it cost to put one in Ethiopia and 10 in Afghanistan and over here? $12 billion, bam, in your generation. There is no more hunger and there is no one without an education. Number three, $15 billion would give everybody clean water and sanitation. Right now, everybody would have a drinking well, every village in India, every place in Africa, and the places of China, and some of the places up there in the, uh, the northern parts of Russia. Bam, right now. It would all be taken care of if we just gave to God what is God and trusted the church. And here's something that will hold me. I mean, you got to hold me back from hitting the floor, weeping on this floor right now because of how much I love the world. One billion dollars. See... We have about 3,000 unreached people group to the number of 1 billion people. It's called the 1040 window, 10 latitude across our globe, 1040 latitude going across our globe. It goes through Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan. It goes into Mongolia, Nepal, into China. This 1040 window is lacking missionaries right now. There's about 3,000 people groups. JoshuaProject.org has all the people groups that we need to reach. $1 billion right now funds every missionary to go there. There is... not one place on this globe who hasn't heard about Jesus. In one year 2012, every church-going person that's already here, that already has the wealth God has put in their hand, says, God, I will give the tithe to the good churches so we can do charity across this world. We will have in-world hunger. We can end lack of education. We can give people something to drink. And by the way, when you do sanitation, education, and food, you have ended disease across the world. Most of it comes through malnutrition and sanitation and lack of education. You have just healed the planet and and now the whole world has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. But instead, we've got priorities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Pastor, I'm not quite ready to do that. i got some priorities. Oh, yeah, $40 is a lot of money to give the church. Oh, yeah, all them preachers taking all that money. I wish somebody would give me money. Let me tell you what $40 billion looks like in American economy. The same amount. We gave to our churches. We gave to our pets. Yeah, forty billion to churches, forty billion to pets. Pastor, I can't live without my if I'm going to die. No, what will happen is little puss and boots probably won't have that little outfit you got her. That's probably what's going to happen. Man, we, no, we don't have any money. Uh, $40 billion is spent on the weight loss uh, the weight loss uh, products. Can I just help you understand this? The money that we waste, look, and I'll just give you the next number right here. Fast food, you know what? You really need a lot of fast food, don't you? That's a priority in life. The 110 billion we give to fast food, if we stopped eating it, we wouldn't need the 40 billion that we need for weight loss. We could save 150 billion right now and give it back to God and His people. And if you don't like that, we'll take your pet and have them be fed to the hungry people of the world. And we could end this whole thing right now. I will eat a little dog, little clap. We just ended world hunger, took the 40 billion right off the list. You think I'm crazy. You just found that out, huh? Some people already knew that. Maybe that's why I didn't show up this morning. I want you to hear my heart today. With what we spend on fast food, with what we spend on weight loss, and with what we spend on pet food, is $190 billion. Just make it an even $200 billion. What did we give to our churches? $40 billion. Now you know why your world is so jacked up. Now you know why people on your job aren't honest because they don't know anything about God. Now you know why people hate the church and they think preachers all they talk about money is because people in the church aren't giving the preachers the money to do the things that will get people to stop thinking all we're all about is money. You give the money, we'll spend the money. We don't talk about money. Then they see what we do with our money and then they start to respect us again. Take your kids to your favorite sporting event this weekend. Go go to the Super Bowl and say how much I love football. See if they let you in for free. Take them to your favorite movie. Oh, we're going to watch our favorite movie. We come here every week see if they'll let you in for free. Last Wednesday of every month is family night. Every Friday is youth night. Free pizza. We've never charged one kid anything for a lock-in, for a pizza party, to going out. We have done all of that for our youth here. Picking up upwards of 20 kids on Wednesdays from the west side of the inner city. Why? Because we love people. It's up to you what you want to do now. What does it mean to you, these numbers? You see, I want to give to God something That will change the world. I want to change the world, friends. I want to change the world. Do you want to change the world? Or just is it okay the way it is? I want to leave you with three things we can all do. Isaiah chapter 58 gives us the example. Would you turn there with me, please, Andrew? And I'll just give them to you for those taking notes. Number one, we need to repent. We've had our priorities in the wrong place. Number two, we need to stop the oppression. We need to stop pushing down people with our wealth. By us wasting our money, we're hurting the poor instead of giving it to them to help them. And number three, we need to find a need and fill it and see a hurt and heal it. You see, it's a challenging message like today that gets you to examine what are you really doing. Well, Pastor, I give to to this and I give to that. Yeah, but the church, if it wasn't for the church, there is no Salvation Army. The the Salvation Army only has a million members. That's nothing. The million-member Salvation Army can't feed all the people where they have 12,000 locations. They need Christian volunteers. If we don't have a church, we can't even use the money that Salvation Army has to bring the toys for, uh, not toys for tots, that's the Marines, but you know, we can't even bring the toys that they bring out for Christmas to the children. They need volunteers. They need Christians. Who goes and builds those water wells? Christian, did you see anything on that list? The Atheist Union, do you see what the atheists are doing? Even the atheists support our charities. They know we are the greatest hope for this planet, the Christians. Isaiah 58, shout it aloud and do not hold back. How have I done on that today? I'm going to read that again. I want you to just judge me right now as a preacher. Isaiah says, shout it aloud and do not hold back. Did I shout it pretty loud today? Did I shout it pretty loud? Amen. Did I hold back anything from you? So I, I shouted pretty loud and I didn't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. Did I tell you about how America's sinning? Did I tell you about how we're jacking this thing up? Did I tell you the church is not giving to God what's God? Did I do that? Okay. Declare to my people their rebellion and the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commandments of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. You know what? The the people of Israel are kind of like Americans, mostly Christian, mostly Jewish, you know, serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were saying, you know what? We pray. We go to the synagogue. We're doing pretty good. We're all right. And God says, look at these people they actually think they're doing what I say. They think that I'm actually listening to their prayers. He says, they think that they're doing my decisions. He's about ready to rebuke them and say, they're so rebellious, they don't know my word from the voice in their head. Verse 3, we have fasted, they say, and you have not seen it. Many Americans don't even fast. These Jewish people would stop eating, kind of like how the Catholics on Ash Wednesday are going to put some ash on their head, and then they'll fast from meats uh, and, and and eggs and, and dairy during the time of Lent before Easter. We're going out to Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday. You see how well that's worked with the Catholics? They just say, hey, we're going to fast Wednesday, so let's party on Tuesday. That's the Catholic holiday, by the way, Mardi Gras. We will be down there. It'll be like my 15th one. Glory to God. Amen. Well, we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it, God. You should have been paying attention. We have humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed. We've gone to church. We pray. He says, yet on your day of fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all of your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You see, America's full of violence today. And it doesn't matter how many of us showed up to church today. And it doesn't matter how many of us call ourselves Christians. We're really not living like the way Jesus told us to live. And you could be as spiritual as you want. You could even fast and say, well, I fasted for January. So what? What difference does it make? This is what he says. He says, verse 5, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Yeah, you went on a diet, you went on your Daniel fast, you didn't eat anything, good for you. You get a spiritual sticker next to your name for the Fasting Buddy Award. You're the fasting buddy. This is what he says to him. Is that the kind of fast that I've called? Is this for a bunch of religious people to show up at church? He says, No. He says, I have called to do this kind of fast. Right here. Come on, baby. Verse 6. To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe him, and to not turn away from your own? flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. That's the kind of fast Jesus Christ called us to be uh, to live. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He said, "This is how you separate the sheep from the goats. Who's about the Lord's business? Who's about helping the herding and reaching out? Who's about making that difference? Today you have a decision to make. Can you uh, please put it back to the slides? Thank you. Will you repent? Will you stop the oppression? And by what I mean by oppression is wasting what God gave you. And will you start to fill a need and start to heal a hurt? You see, today when you came to this place, there was already a vision laid out. We're not taking a vote to ask you, what do you want to do here? Should we go roller skating? Should we give you seven steps to a better marriage and life? That's great and fine and dandy. But if you, you can have a great marriage and go to hell, friends, You can have kids on the honor roll and go to hell. Are you listening to me? You can have a lot of money in the bank account and go to hell. We set forth a vision in this church. Not only for us, but we believe this is what Jesus told us to do in the church in general, all around the world. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When Jesus said you can't serve two masters, why did he fill in the blank with money? Why didn't he say you can't serve God in sex? You can't serve God in violence. Why did he say you can't serve God in money? Because he knew the money was the root to all evil and that if money had your heart, then it would also have your wallet. But if God has your heart, God has your wallet too. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Get rid of that spirit of greed. And then the second thing, what does it say? And love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would want done unto you. Can I say, see, do unto others is like almost like a negative. Put it in the positive like this. Make happen for others what you want to have happen for you. See, many times we look at the response, do unto others as you want done unto you after someone's been unjust to you. So it's like, man, now you be nice. because it's, it's like reacting to a negative. But the positive of what Jesus was saying was make happen. Go out of your way to do something for somebody that you would want somebody to go out of their way and have happen for you. I want to show you this video in closing today, and I really want you to watch it as a way of somebody. The last video for me, please, Andrew. I thank you as somebody who just said, a couple that said we're going to do something with our life, and we're going to reach out and give something back. And I want to come to you at the closing of this message and share with you a few things, but I think you'll enjoy this uh, video. Thank you, my brothers.
3: Our chances of getting pregnant were very small, and uh, so we had a surgery, and lo and behold, the month after we had surgery, we became pregnant.
4: And we were we were excited and, and stoked and, and couldn't wait to, to start a family.
3: And uh, about 10 weeks into that pregnancy, we learned that we were miscarrying.
4: It was pretty devastating. Never really felt that kind of pain or hurt uh, before
3: I didn't want to share much with Chase about that um, that experience and so um, it really took a toll on our marriage that first miscarriage we started looking into a number of different avenues to adopt even though foster care is the most risky way to adopt kids because you never know if they're gonna stay or leave or we just felt like that's where the Lord wanted us to go. Serving together as a foster couple has been one of the most rewarding ways we've served. It's allowed us to learn about each other in new ways that we hadn't discovered before.
4: I get to see the love and the patience and the, 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 the serving that she's able to, to do for these kids. Um, and I just get to do it with her. And that's, it's, it's a blast.
3: I've just been able to see him Be the hands and feet of the lord to me as i've been drained at the end of the day and he comes home and is able to kind of relieve me and get the girls back excited and just to see uh, his tender heart
4: we have a lot less time together yet god has really used these to 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 draw us close the time we do get to spend with each other is is very intentional um and very purposeful
3: we don't know what our family is going to look like at any given time we don't know what what tomorrow will hold for us as far as if we're going to keep these girls or if they're going to leave. Um, and so we have to cling to each other as we cling to the Lord for that strength and that hope to get through um, something as hard as giving them up.
4: I think there's there's going to be a sense of, of deep loss of, of we gave all of us, all of ourselves to these two children. Um, and now they're not here anymore.
3: It's incredibly rewarding to be able to help um, kids heal from what they've been through. And even though they're toddlers and they honestly probably won't remember this the rest of their life, what they've been through will form their personality and will form who they are in the future. Um, and if they don't remember us, then that's fine. But if they take away from this that uh, the Jesus loves me song, then that's that's totally worth it. And so. Um, You know, we're able to pray with them and pray for them and pray over them and read them uh, stories about God. And if they're able to remember just even a part of that, then it's um, it's been worth it.
2: Would you stand up with me, please, man, would you come? Let's close out today. I want you to ask yourself. What can you do to change the world? Lydia House is right over here as a charitable organization helping troubled kids, and they have a foster care program. They are the one that I know of in this north side. I think Lawndale community has some on the west side. Could you imagine if you and I and family members here began to adopt through these foster care programs? the difference that we could begin to make to love God and love people there was another video I didn't have time to play of a woman who got her PhD and she was making money in the hospitals but God told her to go to East Los Angeles and open up a clinic for the hurting there I think about people just like you and I that on top of their tithe they begin to give their life So I want to give a special just admonition to those of you here who may want to own this mountain of charity. All of us can do our part, but some of you may want to make this your life goal, to adopt, to work in orphanages, to help medical missions. In our first service as a couple, he works for an agency where he does the web designs and things for the humongous barges that bring the food to the hurting nations. He works for that agency. You may be called to that mountain. We just want to encourage you here in this church that we stand with you. And for the everybody else saying, well, I don't know what I can do. Maybe adopting is not for me. Maybe, you know, I'm not going to join this type of, a, a, a you know, a prison ministry or I'm not going to join a food bank. Well, can you commit to your tithe? so that we can have the finances to help those who who are? Can you give your best so that we can have the staff that is? Berto, would you raise your hand, please? Berto right now is looking to work at a non-for-profit that goes into the prisons. He's already been going to the prisons as a chaplain, but he's looking now for the income to be able to do it. Imagine if Metro Praise could put him on staff, give him about, what do you think he's worth, 30000 Same thing a McDonald's manager's worth, maybe a retail store man. Do you think 30000 is good investment? Berto, 30000 Be the best chaplain you can be. Help us in the church. We release you to serve the 20-plus thousand inmates that are in Chicago jails and juvenile jails. Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to say that? Wouldn't it be awesome to put people on staff at Metro Praise and say, You're hired. Ellie, you're hired. Work in the high schools and the after school programs. Volunteer as an after school coach and and get into those schools. I know they can't pay you. You have a wife. You want children. Metro Praise, here's $30,000. Go be a missionary to our high schools. There was a school shooting here a few years back right here at Steinmetz. God told me to go out there with flyers and talk to the young people. And I remember going out there that next day, and a gang member flipped me off. He started hollering at me, and he said, God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me. And I said, God does love you. And he said, then why did my parents treat me like S-blank? You know how many people are blaming God for bad things? I want those young people to go, yeah, these people might have hurt me. My parents might have done wrong. But God sent this person to me, this after-school program, this adoptive mom or dad. I want you just to put your hands in front of you right now, if you could, in closing. Altar workers, would you come, please? I want to close out today with us just looking at our hands. And I want you in an attitude of prayer as you're looking at your hands to ask God what do you have to give what can Jesus fill your hands with today what can Jesus place in your hands I know some people that made a commitment to go out to eat less and all the money they would go out to eat for they now give to missions they say I used to go out to Starbucks once a day and then I would go out to eat two or three times a week but I only limit it now to the date nights with my family and what I would spend on Starbucks and those other times at McDonald's I give to missions comes out to be about a hundred extra a week about four hundred a month I can give to missions because God put it in my hands God put it in my hands Jesus I'm just gonna give you a few moments to pray privately before I pray in dismiss. With these hands, if you would, would you just raise it to heaven and not for me because I'm not the husband of the church, the foundation of the church, I'm not the pillar of the church? Jesus is, would you just with hands raised thank the Lord for what the church and I don't just mean little church like Metro Praise, I mean like church all across this world has done for you? Would you just thank Him for His church? It was a church that I wandered into and began to be taught the Word of God. Youth groups that took me out to play and then teach me the Word of God. Skate parks that were built for Christians to go to in the back of uh, church parking lots. Churches that reached out to my mom when my sister died drinking and driving the pastor at our house weeping with my mother the church that helps us whenever we need it would you just thank him for the church the church that provides homeless shelters team challenge the orphanages the schools so many times we criticize the bride of christ the church we talk about how dirty and filthy it is and we forget that the church is jesus's bride The church is what Jesus is into right now. Trust me, friends. He cares a lot more about His church than He does the Super Bowl. He loves His church. Come on, thank Him for what the church did for you. Baptized you. Brought you to Christ. Married you and your wife, husband together. Taught your children morals. Preserved the Word of God church church is the answer The church is the answer some of you say well Jesus is it no Jesus works through his church Jesus works through people my friends none of us are perfect but he's working through us we need to pray for our church we need to pray for this church that God will use it to touch a hurting city Such a hurting world for the Lord. Oh, Jesus. All churches gathered, God, that call on your name. Would you use them for your glory? I'm closing now reading Acts 4.32. All the believers were in one mind and heart. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them, brought the money to the feet of the apostles. And it was distributed to anyone who had me. God, make that true again and start in my life. May I hold dear to nothing that I own. May I share what you've given me for your glory. These altar workers are up here as we get ready to dismiss in just a few moments if you need prayer to have greed broke off your heart or prayer for God to use you in a charity that you feel strong about. Or for God to bless you so you can do more with what you've been given as a dream. We just want to pray for you. Or if you have any prayer request, Jesus loves you. If your heart was convicted about sin or going to hell, repent today. Jesus loves you. There's a chance today for you to know him personally. So as we get ready to dismiss, if you will need any prayer, as we'll worship in closing, there will be time for these wonderful workers to pray with you. Jesus, thank you today. We ask you to bless us now as we go our separate ways. We ask you to be charitable in all that we do, to do it even with sacrifice, to start where we are and to build up this church and to support those things we care about. And, Lord, for those who really have a determination to do something like Salvation Army or adopting, Lord, give them the strength and the grace to do it. They're our heroes. We love them for it. And let us as a church support them, God make a way for them in jesus name and can everybody say amen can we bless the lord today amen god bless you you're dismissed have a wonderful week we'll see you at life groups if you need prayer would you come we're going to worship today in closing god bless you today
5: draw me near to you